This podcast was first broadcast on Fresh FM, the top of the South community access radio station. For more information on Fresh FM, as well as links to other great local podcasts, go on our website freshfm.net or download the accessmedia.nz app. Kia ora, friends. I'm Joanna Santa Barbara of Motueka, bringing you an eco-postcard. Each week, I send you a small snapshot of a few things going on in our world concerning the health of our beautiful planet. Sometimes it's good news and sometimes it's bad. So let's see what we have today. Oh, yes, I want to start with a small but pleasant item uh, before diving into something a bit more serious and controversial. This is the idea of having working dogs to assist in conservation issues. I think that this, this doesn't exist in New Zealand, but apparently it does exist in other countries where the extraordinary sense of smell of dogs is put to use to detect invasive weeds before they break the surface or invasive animals that are underground. And they can even be trained to identify and locate invasive insects and fish. Isn't that remarkable? Okay, the next thing I want to address is this controversial issue that goes by the name of significant natural areas and the importance of protecting them. This has become a difficult issue because some of these significant natural areas, which are also often referred to as SNAs, are on private land and the owners of such land, uh, particularly farmers, some farmers have been protesting against the designation of areas as significant natural areas that needing protection, which limits their potential use of the land. So I thought, I mean, one, one can certainly empathize with the position of farmers who have ownership of the land, uh, objecting to any limitations on how they use it. Let's look at the other side of the issue too, that there has been steady progressive loss of natural vegetation and biodiversity. And the Resource Management Act that we have has not stopped this. There's been steady loss of tussock grassland, indigenous shrubland, native forests, wetlands. And of course, these losses are additional to the aggregate loss of 90% of our wetlands and 65% of our native forests since humans arrived on these islands. Entailed in this loss of habitat is the ongoing and worsening threat to land birds and seabirds whose habitat has been destroyed. And it is the case that we have lost through extinction some of our native species and a high percentage of them are threatened with extinction now. And these Taonga need to be protected and cherished for future generations, which means that their habitat needs some form of protection. Local councils have gone through or some of them have gone through the process of identifying significant natural areas in their regions and applying rules to protect them. 
These areas can be parts of farmland or larger forest tracts, tussock grasslands or wetlands. And some of these areas have been protected through QE2 covenants. So councils have responded in various ways. Some of them offer free biodiversity assessments. Some of them offer funding for riparian protection or for pest control, fencing, aspects of biodiversity protection. And protection doesn't mean no use is possible. Some activities like building houses have been permitted in significant natural areas. It is the case that in our region, Tasman District Council has stopped any activity identifying significant natural areas. But we have reason to question this in terms of regional biodiversity. There will be a um, statement, a national policy statement on Indigenous biodiversity, and that is to be produced by the end of this year, but we can expect quite soon the circulation of a draft for feedback. So, particularly if you're a landowner, particularly if you feel in the middle of this controversy, think carefully about both sides of this issue and particularly the importance of protecting our natural biodiversity. Okay. With the remaining little time, I want to give a piece of good news concerning Fonterra's moves to stopping using coal to make dried milk. For years and years and years, activists have been badgering Fonterra to do this. And for years and years, Fonterra has been saying, no, it's impossible. It's not economic. Can't do it. But Fonterra is moving. The Te Awamutu Dairy Factory boiler just in the Waikato area is now using wood pellets as fuel. And another conversion is planned in the Stirling Dairy Factory in the Otago area. So some big conversions from coal to wood pellets have been going on. The Christchurch Hospital is one, and there are other food processors who have done this. And there's a growing recognition that we do have adequate biomass available to meet future demand for solid biofuels. It requires a chain of supply. Obviously, if you're a Fonterra person running a big boiler in a factory, you need to know that you've got a reliable supply of wood waste, raw biomass, and partnership along these chains is important. Some of the fuel suppliers themselves are establishing long-term partnership with the raw biomass producers, and that's farmers, forest owners, harvesters and processors, that people look for something like a 30-year supply of solid biofuel. Some users of solid biofuel are investing in their own woodlots or using spare land to grow fast-growing energy fuel like miscanthus or short-rotation trees like eucalyptus. It can be recognized that landowners can see that producing biomass for preparation into a fuel provides another cash flow which improves the resilience of their businesses. So all 
all of this is favorable for our transition to a low-carbon economy. And that's it for today. This has been an eco-postcard. Eco-postcards airs on Monday afternoons 3.30pm and Saturday mornings 9.50am. Till next week, bye for now. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this podcast available by funding the Access Media Project. Other great podcasts from Fresh FM are available through the accessmedia.nz app or our website freshfm.net.